Uh, but, uh, uh, but it's good to, good to be here with you nonetheless. Now, uh, when, uh, when I was a young boy, uh, my mom, uh, one morning, she uh, went to go get me ready for, for the day, and I was not in my bed. And she thought, well, hmm, I wonder where he went. So she began to look around the house. Maybe he went out and slept on the couch. She looked in closets. She looked under beds. She looked everywhere she could think to look, and she started to get worried, you know. Did somebody take him? Did he wander out of the house in the middle of the night? I was, uh, I don't know, three or four. And uh, so she's getting worried and more and more worried, worried enough to wake my dad up. She wakes my dad up. Hey, I can't find Ben. Where is he? And man, after uh, some frantic searching, and they think, well, we haven't looked in the bathroom. And uh, so they walked in and wasn't in the bathroom. And then she thought, well, I'll, I'll look behind the curtain. She, she pulls the, the curtain back from the bathtub and there I am, asleep in the bathtub, dead asleep, dead to the world. And, uh, and you know, um, I, I share that story because this is really what, uh, what Jesus is doing for the church in Sardis. Fred just read a letter uh, from a letter to a church uh, in Asia Minor uh, who had fallen asleep spiritually. And as I was thinking about falling asleep and, and about the Lord Jesus trying to wake, wake the church up, I was just thinking about uh, the, the nature of sleep. And there's really kind of a, a, a progression to sleep, right? There's sleepy, uh, where you're awake and you're functioning, but you're sort of, your eyes are sort of glazed over. Uh, I was on date night last night and my eyes were a little bit glazed over. I was responding to my wife. We were playing backgammon and I was winning. So I was awake enough to, to win. Uh, and, uh, but she could tell I was getting a little, uh, a little sleepy. So there's sleepy, and then there's naughty, not, not naughty, like not like, like that, you know, when you're in class, you're, you want to listen, you want to learn, or maybe you're in church and you're like, I, I stayed up late with a baby or playing video games or I uh, got a sore back, couldn't sleep, right? And you, you want to stay awake, but you begin to nod off. You guys know the feeling, I'm sure. I've been there. Now there's naughty. Uh, and then uh, there is nappy, uh, where you're, you're like, you're asleep, but you're kind of easy to wake up. You know, you haven't sort of gotten groggy yet. And then there's dead. <laughs> so uh, the, the, you're, you're so, you're so uh, asleep that you're dead to the world, you know. Uh, and, and so there's different progressions of asleep. And, uh, and Jesus is, is showing up and speaking into this, this church's situation because he, he says, you're, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Uh, and, and so you need to, what does he say? He says, wake up. And so uh, this morning I want to talk about, man, being a church that's awake. And, and, and uh, man, challenge you to, to uh, look, uh, look within and, and ask yourself the question, am I, am I nodding off? Am I a little nappy or, or am I dead to what God wants to do in my life? Now, uh, before, uh, before we answer those questions, uh, I want to just give you a little, uh, a little tool, a little secret key to unlock the book of Revelation. Has anybody ever read the book of Revelation and thought, I don't know what's happening? Uh, I'm so confused, right? Like it's, it's a challenging book with lots of wild images. There's four horsemen and a dragon and a goat with horns and he's got lots of horns. And you're like, what does this have to do with anything. And uh, one of the secrets to really understanding what, uh, what this book of the Bible is doing, what uh, the Apostle John uh, is, is uh, helping uh, us, us do is, is that a Revelation is a specific type of genre. It's an apocalyptic genre. Now, when you think of apocalypse, you think the end of the world or the end of days, right? The end of the, end of the world. So you think like, I am legend, right? Uh, where everybody's a zombie and, you know, uh, it's, it's a dust bowl with gas prices, reaching $10 an hour, and, uh, right? 
But that's not what apocalypse means when you see it in the Bible. And, and you know, uh, revelation, when it's translated into Greek, is apocalypto. Uh, and so uh, what, what a revelation is, is it's a revealing. Funny, huh? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it makes me think of The Wizard of Oz. You remember that old movie? Uh, and uh, there's this moment, they, get, they follow the yellow brick road all the way to uh, the Emerald City, and they find... Uh, the great and powerful Oz, and there's thunder and lightning and a booming voice, and he says, go away, you know. Uh, but really, he's telling them to go away because he has no authority or power to help them. And, uh, and uh, in their terror, the little dog, Toto, he goes and he grabs the corner of the curtain and he, he pulls it back. And behind the curtain is, is who? It's an, old, it's an old frail man who has no power to solve the problem. And, uh, and he reveals something that's, Hidden. And that's what a revelation is, is it's a, a peeling back of a curtain. It's a, a removing of a fog, like, like the, when the fog lifts and you can suddenly see a beautiful sunrise on the beach. That's what an apocalypse or a revelation in scripture is. It's, a, it's helping us uh, walk by uh, faith and not by sight. It's helping us see what we believe uh, in a more tangible way. And uh, isn't that cool? And Pastor Kevin, he shared, uh, he shared something really, really cool last week. He shared this picture, this re- revelation of who Jesus is. Now, uh, it says, uh, in the beginning of Revelation, it says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say it's a revelation of the end of the world. It doesn't say this is a revelation of uh, 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 the devil. It doesn't say this is a, a, a revelation of um, the, the tribulation. It says this is a revelation of who? Jesus Christ. And so, man, if you're reading the book of Revelation and you don't see Jesus revealed in a new way, you've missed something very important because that's what this book of the Bible is about. And this cool picture we got from, from last week's message was uh, Jesus clothed in white with eyes blazing like fire, holding seven stars or seven suns in his hand. You just picture that for a second, right? Like, I can't even, like, go outside without squinting. Like, it's dark in here. I walk outside in the brilliant sun. Uh, it causes me, my, my, the, um, my eyes to retract, and I, I've got to, like, look away. I can't look at the sun, and Jesus is holding seven of them. Isn't that incredible? Like, this is the picture, the picture that's behind the curtain. This is who Jesus is in heaven. Though, though we don't see him presently here, John has given us a picture of who Jesus is and who the enemy is that we as a church are called to fight. And so when Jesus says, wake up, he's calling us to a battle to fight. And, um, and so here's, uh, here's something that sometimes I think we forget as Christians. This is something uh, that's a reality that is true of every believer in the room that I wanna share with you. You can write this down. That uh, the church was made to shine light in darkness. The church was made to shine light in darkness. Now he's writing to Sardis and he talks to them about being asleep, which is ironic because in chapter one, uh, he, he says that the, the church uh, is a picture, uh, when you think about the church, you should think about a lampstand. Listen to what he says in Revelations one, verse 20. He says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. In other words, uh, uh, Jesus is sending these bright suns, these bright stars to, to deliver a message to these churches. Uh, so he's sending them help. And then he says, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so, so Jesus is giving us this message so that we might shine brightly. So we, we might not be like light bulbs that have burned out. And so he says, I've sent you this message that you can be a lampstand that is lit, not just a lampstand uh, hidden under a bushel. No, right? You guys know the song. In fact, uh, 
this is uh, true of the church of Sardis, but it's also true of us. Jesus says this to, to us as believers in Matthew 5. Listen to how he says it. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be so foolish, right? And then he says, instead, they put it on its what? Stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, before I read this last line, just think, think about it. What does it mean to be a light as a Christian? What does it mean to be a lampstand in a dark world that is lit? Uh, what does it look like? Because like, it's, it's a, a metaphor or an image of what we're supposed to be in every moment. Not just a lampstand with the, the light snuffed out. Not just a lampstand with, uh, with a flicker that's about to die, but a lamp that's shining bright in darkness. What does it look like? Because Jesus, he answers the question. He says in verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before Others. So it's a light that's meant for others. It's meant for the world. It's meant for your family. It's meant for your neighbors. It's meant for the stranger. And then he says, that they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, uh, Jesus says, when you are awake, when you are awake to the reality of who you are in Christ, uh, you're filled with so much generosity, so much hospitality, so much love, so much joy and laughter that people say, they know somebody I don't, and I want to know them too. They say, man, their God is different than, than anybody I've ever met, and I want to know him too. They glorify, they see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, G, this, this puts into perspective what Jesus says. He says, he says to them that, uh, I know your works, and they are incomplete. In other words, the lamp was lit for a while, but it's dead. It was alive, but now it's out. And, uh, and so I just wanted to spend uh, a few minutes uh, looking at, man, uh, what, are, what are the three signs we can learn from Sardis about living with the lights out, living, living asleep, living uh, sleepy, naughty, nappy, or dead to what God wants to do? And so uh, let me just ask you the question this way. When you think of a, a, a dimmer switch, right, like a dimmer switch in your house, uh, is your dimmer, dimmer switch pushed all the way up is it pushed all the way down? Is it somewhere in the middle? And which way, which way is it going? Which way is it going? So here are three, three signs that uh, you've turned the lights out. Now, um, I would say we, we do this thing. Uh, we, go, we go to Israel uh, every couple of years, and there's an Israel trip coming, uh, coming up. And one of the incredible things about uh, going to uh, the places where Jesus actually walked and lived and the disciples um, shared the gospel for the first time is that it puts uh, what you're reading in the scriptures into context. Uh, you see how real and, uh, and how relevant uh, God's word is to us. And so I wanted to just um, say that it's, it's a trip worth going, uh, going to. Uh, and so if you wanna know more, you can write just Israel uh, on your connection card and drop it in the, in the buckets at the end of the service. We'd love to get you connected. And the reason I mention it here is because once you understand the, ge the geography and the, the context of the city of Sardis, this, uh, this passage that Fred read to us, it, it takes on a whole new meaning. And so I wanna just point out a few things about this city to you uh, that will really help us understand uh, why he's, uh, he's wanting the church to wake up. Now, uh, Sardis, you notice, is a city set on a hill. It was a wealthy city, 
which meant it was often attacked. And so they, they built this incredible city on the hill that, was, that had uh, sheer cliff faces on three sides and steep walls. And, uh, and the city uh, of Sardis, the people there, took great pride in the fact that they were always able to repel attacks. Uh, and for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, they were able to repel attacks. You know, people, uh, people wanted this city because uh, it was the city where they actually minted silver coins. So it's like, it's like uh, um, uh, being the owner of Fort Knox, right? You just have all of the gold, all of the money, right? And so people would attack it all the time. And, uh, and Sardis, just uh, uh, 60 years earlier, uh, was... Uh, uh, finally, uh, finally was defeated. There was only two times in this, the city's history that it was defeated, but, uh, but this time it was defeated by the king of Persia um, and, uh, and he sent soldiers in the middle of the night to climb the walls. And the only reason the city fell was because the soldiers fell asleep. Just think about that. You're reading this warning from Jesus. He says, hey, you have this reputation of being uh, uh, impenetrable. You have this reputation of being strong and, and uh unconquerable, but, but you're dead. You've fallen asleep. Uh, they're, they're at the gates. You see, you see what he's doing there? And these people, they would hear this and they would, they would think, man, we're, we're, just like, we're just like those soldiers who fell asleep. Now, the good news is, is if we stay awake, then we have nothing to fear. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and so, so here is the first way that you know that you, you've fallen asleep or the, the dimmer switch is going down and you're starting to nod off spiritually. And it's this, you're unconcerned about the enemy. There is, there is an enemy assaulting uh, the city. And uh, you know, the city might be the city of Fresno. It might be your workplace. It might be your household. Uh, it, it could be a, a number of things. But the people that you care about, uh, the people that you love the most, are, are under assault from an enemy. That's what the Bible says, that there, there is a, a hidden enemy. This, when you read the book of Revelation, you read about a dragon and horsemen. And, and, and uh, what, what we're seeing through the book of Revelation is that, that there is a supernatural evil behind every war, behind every famine, behind every corrupt leader, behind uh, a physical death. There is an enemy seeking to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And, and what Jesus is trying to help this church see and help us see is that, that we need to be uh, alert to the unseen enemy. We need to be paying attention to him. And, and how, does, how does the enemy uh, go about attacking the people in your life and attacking you in your walk with the Lord? Uh, first, he lies to us. The enemy tells us there is no God. God doesn't care. Uh, you're, you're too broken and, and, and wicked uh, for God to ever uh, help you even if you wanted him to. Uh, you, you should be ashamed of yourselves. So the enemy begins to, uh, to tell us lie after lie after lie after lie. Nobody's gonna love you. And, and man, people are believing these things about themselves, that they, they are not made in the image of God, that they don't have value in this world, that they don't have something to contribute. And, and then this is a part of the attack of the enemy. Are you concerned with the lies that people are hearing on social media, uh, in the workplace, uh, on, uh, on uh, streaming services, uh, from from TikTokers, like, are you concerned with the lies that are, are ruining people's confidence uh, before the Lord? Are you concerned with those things? The, the enemy lies to us. The, the enemy tempts us to sin against the Lord. A sin is essentially rejecting God's design and call for our life in favor of something else. And sin always leads to a thing called suffering. And uh, this church had begun to get unconcerned with the spiritual enemy, and it had begun to... Uh, uh, wear away at the impact 
that they were making. And this is why Paul, he says to the Ephesians, and Ephesus is a church just 30 miles to the, uh, to the south of Sardis. And, and he says to this church, he says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. The devil's tactics are, are not so much to possess people as to deceive people, to tell people lies, to tempt them to sin, and to, to lead them to suffering. And he says this, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in, he- in heaven, in the heavens. Now, uh, you think about uh, um, the political climate uh, of, our, um, of our day and how many people are criticizing our president. It's Biden's fault, right? And uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting thing with this verse in mind, right? Because uh, our, our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood. Somebody on the patio pointed this out to me. I just thought it was a great example. Our, our battle is not against a president. And, and this is why we're called to pray for our leaders, whether they're doing a good job or not. I'll leave that for you to decide. But, but here's the point. Man, Christians that are awake, they pray fervently for their leaders. They pray against sin. They pray against lies. They pray against suffering in the world. And they ask God, God, would you help, would you help and intervene in these people's lives? God, would you reveal to me how I should intervene in these people's lives? And, and as you pray, you find that God is calling you not to complain, but to begin contributing. And, and that's really the second way that you know whether you're asleep or you're awake. Here's, here's, here's another sign. When your reputation is greater than your daily witness, you're probably asleep. Is your reputation greater than your daily witness? Now, I was um, doing a house project a few weeks ago. I, I installed a whole house fan. If you don't know what that is, they're, uh, they're the, the, the most amazing invention uh, of my lifetime. And I grew up with one, but I, I put one in our house. And basically how this works is uh, the fan, uh, you put the fan in the attic and it sucks the hot air from your, your living room, out of your living room, and it pulls the cool air from the night the night, evening, cool air into your house and it cools your house off. It's amazing. And so I, uh, I got into the hot attic and I hung the fan and I uh, wired the wires and I'm bleeding and sweating and um, poking holes in the wrong part of my ceiling. And, uh, and so I, I labor and I labor. It takes me way longer than I would have taken a professional. But I, uh, I get the switch wired and uh, nothing, nothing uh, blows up, nothing catches on fire. It's amazing. And... Uh, and I turn, turn the fan on and suddenly our house is cool without running the AC. Saving money, staying cool. Praise Jesus, right? And, uh, and it's, it's just in the nick of time, right? It's very, very hot. Very hot weekend. And, um, and you know, uh, I think uh, I, I talked more about the whole house fan as I was doing the project than I've talked about anything. I was like, this is just the most amazing thing. I'm almost done. It's gonna be incredible. Now, not just... Let me ask you this question. What, what would have happened if uh, I told everybody about the whole house fan and then I invited them over, but I never turned it on? My house is 95 degrees. People show up, they're sweating. They're like, we're not staying. We're out. And, and here's, here's a picture of what, ha- what has happened in Sardis. Their, their reputation has become more significant than their daily witness, the daily contribution, their, their daily uh, uh, pouring out of, of goodness, of cool and refreshing air, right? And, and we, we see a church whose, whose works are not complete. They did shine, but they've stopped shining. And, and I would just, I would just uh, ask you this question. 
Is the idea of being a Christian more important to you uh, than uh, being actually a light to the people in your life? Is, is, uh, is what God did a year ago uh, what you're, what you're uh, um, celebrating more than uh, what he's doing in your life today, in your families, in your neighborhoods, and in your workplaces? Because, man, when our daily witness is uh, shiny and bright, uh, the, the past doesn't really matter because people are experiencing and encountering the love of God in uh, incredible ways. So that's the second thing. Uh, your, light, uh, your light's on the dimmer uh, when, man, your reputation starts to grow uh, greater than your daily witness. Now, here's the third one. This is probably the most important, important one, and it's this. Uh, you know the lights have turned out when you are neglecting daily habits of holiness, when you're neglecting daily habits of holiness. Now, uh, when I was uh, growing up, uh, you knew who had gone to church uh, at the restaurant uh, by how they dressed, right? You know, like people, uh, people had the button-up shirts, uh, you know, slacks. It was, you know, the tie, people had been losing the ties by the time I was a kid. But, uh, but the pastor for sure was gonna be dressed, dressed nice. So you knew who was speaking. Like, uh, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have worked uh, uh, 30 years ago. Uh, but, uh, but you kind of knew by how people dressed. Because you put on your Sunday best, right? You put on your Sunday best. And so uh, you would know that people had gone and worshiped and gone and, and uh, presented their offering uh, to the Lord and, and sought the Lord and heard from him as a community uh, by how they dressed. And, and that was actually true of the city of Sardis. Now, Sardis uh, was a city with a temple, the temple of Artemis. It was a, uh, a Greek deity that was worshiped. And, and one of the things that was unique about this temple is that when people would go to pray and present offerings at this temple, uh, they were required to wear all white. Uh, so you knew when someone was going to worship and you knew when someone was leaving worship. And so when Jesus says to the church in Sardis, he says, only a few of you have not soiled their clothes. Isn't that a gross picture? He's like, you got, you got mustard on your shirt from uh, last night's barbecue. Uh, and uh, he's like, you, you, look, you look filthy. They've neglected the daily habits of, of uh, presenting themselves to God. And, and, and so what he's saying, he's, he's not saying that uh, this group of Christians has failed to wear white. What he's saying is people can tell, people can tell that you're not seeking me. People can tell that you're not spending time in, in my presence. Uh, people can tell you're not spending time with the Holy One, the person of Jesus Christ, whose eyes shine bright like the sun and who holds seven stars in his hands. And, and this is so true of, uh, of us as Christians when we've started to, to fall asleep, is it not? We, we pray a little bit less. Uh, we, we, uh, we go a week, a month, a year, two years without opening God's word. And... Uh, and those are the, the places and the disciplines that help us to get in God's presence in such a, in such a way that we're, we're encountering Christ, we're hearing his voice, we're, uh, we're being led towards greater holiness, a, a greater uh, witness, a, a greater sense of joy and peace and patience, the fruits of being in uh, step with the Spirit. Are you with me? And, and this, is why, this is why First Peter, he, he urges Christians, he says, dear friends, I urge you as, it's interesting, foreigners and exiles, he's like, you don't fit in here. You shouldn't fit in here. He says, as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires, which, interestingly says, which wage what? War. War against your soul. You see, Revelation is a revealing of a hidden battle. There's a spiritual battle going on for us to, to, 
uh, to honor Christ with our lives, to love the Lord with all our hearts, hearts souls, minds, and strengths. And, and when we fall asleep, we are losing it. In fact, we have already lost. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though he accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see, see, you see this again, they may see your, what? Good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, there's this interesting line. He says, uh, if you stay asleep, I'm gonna come like a thief. Isn't that an interesting phrase? And I would just ask you the question, what happens when Jesus comes like a thief? Like, what's he gonna steal from you? What's he gonna take from you? Uh, Jesus said about the enemy that, that when the enemy comes like a thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What, is, what does Jesus steal from you? And, and, and it's really only one thing. And we see it here in the, in the rest of the passage that, that when we're asleep, when Jesus comes, the thing that we lose, the thing that we miss, the thing that he does not give to us is an encounter with his presence. We miss it. We miss him. What do we lose? What precious gift do we lose? We, li- we lose the presence of Christ showing up in our life day by day by day by day. And many people make much of, of uh, the end times, of when Jesus returns once and for all. And I would just say to you that if you are unconcerned with missing Jesus today, that you should be uh, very unconcerned with missing him uh, uh, 10 years from now. That, that the point of this passage, first and foremost, is that we would be people so awake and so alert and so on guard against the enemy that when Jesus shows up in power to help us, we don't miss him and we can walk fully with him. I was uh, at the high school senior night. Uh, the students have transitioned grades. Uh, finally, the school is wrapped up. And, uh, and I was at the high school senior night and one of the one of the seniors was sharing her testimony and she said something so cool. She said, man, I, I made it my goal this year to just spend more time in God's word. And then she said, it was, it was so cool to hear. It wasn't surprising, but it's really true. She said, and you know, the more time I spend with him, the better my attitude gets. And, and isn't that cool? Like a, uh, an 18 year old, if an 18 year old can figure it out, man, so can all of us. And so, so this is what happens when we don't neglect the daily habits of holiness, of being in the presence of a holy God. This is, this is so important. And when we're awake, uh, we, we make it our priority to wake up early, to go to bed late if it means spending time with the Lord. And so uh, those are three ways, three ways that you can kind of begin to ask yourself the question, man, am I asleep or, or am I nodding off or have I been napping on what God wants me to do so that we can be awake and alert and, uh, and be lights that shine in every place that we go. Now, uh, with that in mind, I wanted to just give you uh, three, uh, kind of three tools that you can use to stay awake spiritually. Now, if, if you're here and you're like, man, I really am, I really am asleep spiritually. Well, these are three things that'll help you. Uh, and if you're a person, I know there's many people here who are awake, who are, who are being a light in their, their communities, their neighborhoods, uh, uh, in their families, and um, in their, uh, uh, their communities. Uh, and if you're like, I'm awake, I'm doing good, uh, this will be helpful to you as well. That was Thomas Edison. Uh, he uh, invented the light bulb. And uh, you can put it up. It's all good. Uh, Thomas Edison, he invented the light bulb and he liked to nap. Uh, shame on you, Thomas Edison. No napping allowed. You gotta be awake. Uh, you do have to be awake to invent things. And he invented more things than anybody I know of. And, uh, and so, uh, but one of the things that was interesting about him is he liked to nap, but he didn't like to waste time. And so, uh, so he figured out uh, what we know now scientifically that there's different stages of sleep, uh, N1 and N2 or uh, a, a light sleep and a deep sleep. And uh, so what he would do is he would uh, use this technique to ensure that he never uh, got dead asleep. 
So he would sit in his armchair each day and he would hold, he would hold a cup. I got some keys because they're loud. He would hold, uh, hold the, the, the cup in his hand and, uh, and as long as he wasn't in deep sleep, his hand would still, uh, still be fixed around the keys. But as soon as he started to go into the deep sleep, the hand would relax. You see how that works? And, and so uh, he, he would know that it's time to wake up because I'm about to get groggy. Anybody over nap? You're like, I'm just gonna sleep for 10 minutes. And then you, you wake up three hours later and your day's shot, right? So this is his, his guard against that. And you can do this spiritually. In fact, uh, Jesus says to the church, he says, remember what you've received. Remember it. Uh, remember what you received and heard. Remember it and keep it. Put it in your hand. Hold it in your hand. He says, when he says wake up, he says, the way to wake up is to remember it and keep it. And so when you wake up, you can write this down. You wake up by closing your fist around the gospel, you close your fist around the gospel. And uh, one simple way to do this uh, is just to start your day remembering the gospel and, and uh, resolving uh, to hold it in your hand. And so, so here, here's what you can do. If you're struggling to remember that, that you're forgiven uh, and, and called in Christ uh, is, man, every, uh, every morning this week, just do it for seven days, every morning this week, when your feet hit the ground, uh, say out loud, say it out loud. It helps to say it out loud. It sort of reinforces it uh, more than saying it internally. Say out loud something like this. Uh, Through Christ's blood, I'm right with the Father, and he goes before me. Man, that's the gospel in a sentence. That, that because of Jesus' blood shed on the cross, my sins are forgiven, and I'm right with the Father, and he will help me be a light wherever I go. So, so put your feet on the ground and say, through Christ's blood, I'm right with the Father. Hold, hold the keys, right? Hold the cup. Uh, I'm right with the Father and he goes before me. Uh, remember it, I remember what you've received and heard and keep it. And you know what you'll find? Is you'll find that you drop the keys uh, kind of regularly. If you're like me, you're like, I'm like 10 minutes into my day, I'm already irritated with, with one of my kids, right? And, uh, and I'm not being gracious. And here, here are some ways you know that you've dropped the keys. Uh, if you're living with guilt and shame, you've dropped the keys. Because in Christ, you're, you're right with the Father through the, the precious blood of Jesus. If you're living uh, with unforgiveness towards someone, you've dropped the keys because uh, Christ, Christ forgives us while we're still enemies of God. The, the Lord's Prayer says, uh, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. If you're living with unforgiveness, you've dropped the keys. You've forgotten the gospel. Uh, if you think that God has abandoned you or he's not with you, You've dropped the keys. You've forgotten the gospel because the gospel in Christ is I'm right with God through the shed blood of Jesus and God goes before me. Uh, if you don't love your neighbor, if you're not growing in love for your neighbor, if you're more irritated with them than filled with compassion for them, uh, you've dropped the keys. And so, man, each morning pick them up and allow God to, to lead you uh, in these ways and you'll stay awake and alert to, to where he wants you to shine. Uh, number two is this. Uh, he says, be awake, be alert, uh, and you watch, you, you watch out your alert uh, by uh, preparing to contribute in response to evil. Preparing to contribute in response to evil. Now, um, I, uh, I had made a mistake when I was working on the whole house fan. I, um, uh, I forgot to put the headlamp on when I went into the attic. So I like crawled all the way in, and by the time I'm in there, it's like dark, I can't see anything. And, uh, and so I like, I'm grabbing the, the headlamp out of my pocket, uh, trying to fumble to put it on and uh, find the button, find the switch. And it was just so, and I'm, it's like 100 and, 
80 degrees in the attic, right? And I'm just sweating. I'm slipping and slipping on the, and, um, and you know, I think a lot of the times uh, we're, we're just unprepared to shine light in darkness. And, and what would it look like just if, we, if we, uh, we started our days, we started our moments, we walked into the, the moments that we knew were gonna be challenging with the light already on, like with God's word uh, 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 memorized and in our hearts, uh, with, uh, with our, our, our spirits already prayed up, asking God, hey, would you help me as I walk into this situation? Like what would it look like if we, are, we already started with the light on and we find ourselves shining in incredible ways? And when you're, you're prepared to contribute uh, you, uh, you'll notice darkness and you'll start, you'll start shining in it. You won't avoid it. You won't be afraid of it. You won't be fumbling to figure out what's the right word to say. You'll be ready to speak that word of encouragement. Now, uh, Paul says, interestingly, he says in Romans 12, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now, isn't it interesting that a lot of the times when we're faced with darkness or evil or frustrating people, that uh, our, our first response is to prepare to do What? To, eat, to do evil back, to get even, well, they deserve it, right? We, we, prepare, we prepare not to be a light, to, but to be a, a lampstand that we're, uh, we're whacking people with. Isn't that interesting that we're prone to that? And so, I man, to prepare, to prepare to do good, to contribute in response to evil is so, so critical. He says, uh, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. In, in other words, you, you win by doing good, not by doing evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, if you've got a, a, a terrible boss, uh, what if instead of gossiping about your boss and making their life harder, uh, you resolve to be such a good employee that not only does their job get easier, but all of your coworkers' jobs get easier? That's, man, that's overcoming evil or frustration or difficulty or darkness with good. If you've got an overbearing mom, my mom is not overbearing, but if you do, uh, the, uh, what, man, what would it look like to overcome that with good? Man, I wanna honor my mother and listen to her as often and as quickly as I can in the, to the glory of Jesus, right? Like, man, overcoming evil with good. Or, or if you've got a neighbor uh, whose house is lowering the property value of the neighborhood, instead of complaining about them to the other neighbors, Wish they would mow their lawn, you know? Like, what would it look like to, to go and befriend that neighbor and know them and love them and hear, hear about why they don't mow their lawn, you know? Like, this is overcoming evil with good. And, it, and this is what we're called to be. And, and if you're resolved to overcome evil with good, it's hard to be asleep because you're paying attention. Man, where can I shine? Where can I, where can I be a light? Man, where can I help people who are walking in darkness and discouragement? Now, uh, I heard from Pastor Travis um, this morning that uh, we have some good news and some sad news. The good news is uh, we have uh, uh, officially reached our capacity of kids who can come to Summer Extreme Days, which is awesome. That's a lot of kids. Oh, we can clap. It's fun. Uh, the, uh, the sad news is there's more kids that want to come. They're on the wait list. And, uh, and, and the reason that they're on a wait list is not because we're out of seats or out of chairs. You see we have some chairs uh, available. But the reason is we, we do not have uh, enough safe adults uh, to receive them. And, uh, and so, man, I just want to say uh, that, that is an opportunity to be a light in darkness. Kids not knowing Jesus, that's, man, that's a, a less than ideal way to live. Man, it's so much better to know Jesus. And so, so I just want to say if you're like, man, I don't know, I don't know how to be a light. 
well, Pastor Travis, uh, he will uh, equip you and train you and teach you. Uh, tomorrow night uh, at 6.30 in the outlet, I've been telling people the wrong building, so if you uh, have friends that are going the wrong way, let them know. But show up, he'd love to get you plugged in, and we wanna just encourage you to do that. And uh, sound good? All right, we got a couple people, all right. Sounds good, okay. Can I give you the third one? Uh, here's the third thing you can do in response to uh, staying awake in spiritual darkness. And it's this, you repent by actively confronting personal sin with new obedience. You repent by actively confronting personal sin with new obedience. Now, one of the things that's, uh, that's problematic uh, about uh, Christian, Christian, the Christian life, Christians who are asleep is, uh, it's if you sleep long enough, then sin has a way of getting over the walls. And, and it begins to uh, ruin and destroy and erode uh, your peace, uh, your, uh, your purpose, the power of God working through you. And, uh, and oftentimes our response to, uh, to sin is to, to bury it under the rug and then just try and compensate for it. You, guys, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, yeah, I know I, know I, uh, I, know I lied, but, but, I, but I lead a small group too, so it's cool, right? Uh, or uh, yeah, I, I know that I, I'm not honoring God with my, my money, uh, but I'm really nice to my coworkers, right? And, uh, and it's sort of like this, right? It's like, um, uh, it's like if, if I was the person in, in Sardis and I'm standing on the wall and I wake up and I'm like, oh, I've been asleep. And, and there's a guy behind me with a sword and I'm looking over the wall trying to keep people from coming up. Like that's what we do when we don't, uh, we don't confront personal sin with new obedience. You know, it's, it's part of the reason that, uh, that some, some friendships don't make it. It's because we haven't dealt with sin. Like, your, your friend's not gonna enjoy, uh, enjoy you uh, hanging out with them, going to the movies with them, uh, if the last time uh, uh, you got wasted, you texted them a bunch of things you don't like about them, right? It's like, you gotta deal with that. Like, this is why, this is why some marriages don't work. It's not that you're not contributing, uh, it's that you haven't dealt with the thing that's damaging the person that you love the most. Like, buying, buying your spouse flowers uh, is, uh, is an, is a good gesture, but, but if you don't deal with the pornography problem, then man, how loved can she feel? You guys with me? We gotta confront sin. You know, if, if you wanna share the good news with your coworkers, but you're always selfish and lazy, man, how can they receive it? How can they hear the good news from you? And so, so he says, wake up, pay attention. Don't, don't live with soiled clothes. Walk in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel. And, and you know, uh, when, when I say this, you know, I confront them with new obedience. Uh, I, uh, I know that uh, it's, it's a question that, that comes to mind. Uh, well, how, how could I ever do that? When will I be good enough? And oftentimes we come to church and we're like, I know I should do better. I know I should uh, be a, a shining brighter, but I just don't know how to do it. I just feel like a failure. How good is good enough. And there's this really interesting uh, phrase, this interesting line that Jesus speaks over the church. He says, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And a lot of the times we think conquering means being good all the time, right? Never lying, never being selfish, uh, never, never hurting people always speaking the truth and love, always being generous. But we know that that's actually not how believers conquer. 
the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus is the one who conquers uh, by the blood of the lamb. In fact, that's how uh, the book of Revelation closes, that we, we are victorious, we co- are conquerors by the blood of the lamb. It's, it's by Christ's blood shed on the cross that we are set free from sin and shame and brokenness and guilt. So, so when is good enough good enough? It's, man, it's as, we, as we trust in Jesus to save us. And not just to save us from past sins, but to, to save us and lead us and rescue us in a daily way. To not neglect the, the disciplines and the daily habits of holiness, but to, to be walking with Christ. In fact, he says that, that there are some of you clothed in white who are, who are walking, uh, walking with me and who are worthy of me. And being, uh, being worthy, it starts with uh, trusting that that it's God's goodness, not yours, that is the light. And it's like, it's not our example that saves people, but it's the message of Jesus, it's the person of Jesus that saves people. And so how much good is too good? How, how much good is good enough? Uh, the answer is, man, any, anywhere where Christ is lifted up, that, that person, right, who's clothed in white with blazing eyes, who's holding seven sons, the conqueror of sin, and death, any place where Christ is held up, uh, we have victory. And here's the cool thing, right? Is uh, sometimes when we let Christ lead us, we suffer. Uh, people cancel you. And uh, you know, in the, in the ancient world, uh, they had these books uh, with all the names of the citizens of the city. Sardis had one of these books, and they had all the names of the citizens, the Christians, the non-Christians. Uh, and, um, and when somebody was gonna be executed uh, or, or killed or martyred, killed for their faith, uh, before they would kill them, they would cross their name out of the book. They would cancel them. They'd reject them. They'd tell them, get out. We don't want you here. And, uh, and sometimes we are afraid to be lights in darkness because we're afraid that people will reject us. We're afraid, we're afraid that our family will, uh, um, will write us out of the will. Uh, we're afraid that our friends won't want to spend time with us anymore. Uh, we're afraid that people will, will hate us we're afraid that we'll lose our job. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying to this church and what he's saying to you is that, man, anytime you're a light for the, the sake of the gospel, anytime you, you stand up and you proclaim the good news of Jesus, anytime you pray for those who are lost, anytime you share the scriptures with people who don't know the Lord, anytime you do good in the name of Jesus, man, even if people cancel you, I, I will never cancel you. I won't blot you out. Your, your security is forever because of what Jesus did in conquering sin and death on the cross. Isn't that beautiful? And so, uh, so our call to wake up is not a call to wake up or else. It, it's a, it, it's a, a wake up because God has more for you. Amen? Cool. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for these people. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love them. Uh, thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, that uh, you care enough about us that when we're nodding off, when we're, we're falling asleep on what you've had for us, and whether it's serving your church, whether it's sharing the gospel, whether it's uh, being generous, whether it's um, being a light in, uh, in injustice, God, that, uh, that you have something better for us. God, that you will be with us, that you approve of us because of the work of your son Jesus on the cross. I wanna pray for the folks in this room, God, that you would help them. God, that you would help them to resolve to remain awake, to, to hold on to the gospel, to wake up when they drop it, uh, to be people who are prepared to contribute. 
to be people who, uh, man, are not uh, okay with sin at the gates or sin in the house. Uh, Lord Jesus, bless them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.